Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Ria. I'm Marley. Number one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at like doing things for me. It's going to take us about two weeks to learn it. Would I want to go to him if I wanted to hug absolutely not? Actually, give yourself a bit of a break. Mayonnaise, <laughs> better out of a jar. I've been overruled, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, welcome back to Is It Really Worth Talking About? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it really worth talking about? Oh, yeah. So, today, everyone, instead of Olivia Newton John's Let's Get Physical, we're going to get technical and we're going to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, that's what it's about. We're going to talk about the drama triangle. Why is that technical? Just because it's a bit more counsellory, isn't it? Okay. All right, let's All right. get technical. Do you remember your Let's Get Physical top? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do, sadly. Sadly, I do. <laughs> uh, shan't. We won't go there. Don't um, go there. <laughs> It was horrendous. I used to do this trampoline. trampoline. What is happening to my voice? I used to do this trampolining class and I wore this vest and it was like, let's get physical on it, you know, bit of motivation. And I had the most, after the class, they always used to take a picture and I was a sweaty mess and I'm just there hanging out my ass. And uh, it's become quite, quite a tool to bully me <laughs> that Lee sets as my contact picture when I phone in. <laughs> Hold on. I think we've all got bad photos of each other. Yeah, Even in the yeah. WhatsApp group that we've got, the podcast pizza. It's not called that at the moment. What's it called at the moment? These uh, pricks had loads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's one from, that they're taunting me. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've had plenty of bad photos as the cover photos of that yeah. um, thing, haven't we? We actually have all we, we do like a bad photo of each other. But, um, I mean, I like other people's bad photos. <laughs> But not ours. Not my own. We do have a fair few of each other's, don't we? Yeah, sadly. But I sometimes I bring it on myself. Sometimes Ask... you set them of yourself. I know, you I think them. just because, you know, like it's a defence, because if I get there first, then, and I've got control over the picture that I put up there. Whereas, like... I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> and I'm like, here you go, here's one of me, and there's not been a picture of me for a while, and I know it's coming up, so... <laughs> Have oh, this I one. I see how you're playing it now. Yeah. Okay. Trade secrets. <laughs> okay. How to survive. Might write a book. <laughs> no one to buy it. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Gosh, you better get that baby out of here. <laughs> so we have we haven't done one for a while. The actual last one we recorded was um nearly two months ago. Yeah. Wow, way. But um long. Yeah. A lot yeah. We sent one out, the um importance of people around you, but the last time we recorded was two months ago. So it's been a while. We've got some catching up to do. And um we've uh Ria's nearly gonna drop soon. I know. In the next six weeks, um potentially. That's obviously at the time of recording, but um Well <laughs> there was a bit of an accident this week. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Go on. So I was sitting at the bottom of my stairs, and there's a one small step at the bottom of my stairs before it's the big flight of stairs. Yeah. And I was... Big flight of stairs. Wow. We live in a mansion. <laughs> I definitely know. Two beds, Sarah. Anyway, I was on the step to walk off, off the step, and I missed my footing. I had heels on. <gasps> I missed my footing, so my heel kind of got caught on the step, and my knees were shins smacked the floor and my hands are up like this. <laughs> so I'm like this. <laughs> Flying forward, smack the wall in front of me and I'm just on and I'm on my knees. <laughs> I'm on my knees and on my shins with just like this. <laughs> 
with, the, with my heels caught on the step. It was an absolute disaster. Down at the bottom? Down at the bottom. Aww. So then I'm just there. How do I get out of this position? <laughs> but it was probably the best position to fall in, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. Everything was fine. Didn't even have a bruise on my knee. Everything was grand. And Shanice is okay. <laughs> Shanice is fine. She doesn't have a clue. <laughs> I've protected her. I felt like... <laughs> down to pray like a wooden <laughs> like a wooden panel just dropping down I was actually like a wooden panel like Storm Eunice whoever <laughs> taking that panel out Storm Eunice that was quite scary in that very split moment but a perfect um, perfect place to fall I'm cracking up sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm, say, I'm, <laughs> I'm literally fed up of being so what we started to do on the last couple of episodes is oh. we started putting our microphones in the stand so we're doing it at my breakfast bar however today because Rhea's obviously quite heavily pregnant at the moment she needs to sit on this big ball so we're holding the microphones but what Rhea likes That's to do got pregnant. is <laughs> <laughs> I hope you weren't sitting on his ball. Oh, That'd be God. painful. That's how it works. You only got That's one. She keeps bringing the microphone up to her mouth as if she's about to eat it and then bring it back People down. People want to hear my voice. <laughs> I've got a voice that needs to be heard. No one will listen to it. Oh. <laughs> that was sad with aggression. Cut her head off, put it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that yesterday when I laughed, I know I sound like Metley. These oh, yeah. cousin Zara was like, "What was that?" <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Sounds like a bagpipe." Yeah, she a was bagpipe. She's like, "What's going on?" And Molly was like, "That's my laugh." And she was like, "Sounds like a bagpipe being squeezed." Because obviously she does the like. <laughs> What can I say? Does Zara listen to the podcast? Obviously not. Uh, I think she's listened to maybe one or two, but enough for me. Zara. And yesterday we got abused, didn't we, by my uh, my mum's cousin, me and Philip. Yeah. Or most, well, Philip why? Did. Yeah. Why? Well, my... I got abused first. Did she? Why? Because when I got there, she was like, "Oh, how's Jamie?" And I was like, and it took me like a minute to register. I was like, oh no, I said, I'm Luke's girlfriend. Oh, she was like, oh, I thought you were Claire. I thought Luke's girlfriend was Claire. And I was like, not that I know of. What? I don't even think he's had a girlfriend called Claire. <laughs> no, he might do on the side. But... <laughs> <laughs> and then later on in the day, we were there and Philip was sat. And it was the first time he was meeting the ex- extended family properly. And um, Donna was bending over and picking something up. And my mum was like, oh, your knickers are on show. And Philip was obviously behind her. And she turned around and she was just like, oh, it's safe anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> And then, and then she turned around and went, actually, you'd probably be safe even if you were normal. Exactly. And then she was just like, no, no, no. Like, she's like, I just hate, really hate the word straight. Yeah. And, uh, and we were like, nope, you've said it now. She just kept digging a hole, didn't we're she, after that? We're not normal. Yeah, she was like, no, I mean, it, like when me and my friends go out drinking or whatever, we go to a normal pub and then we go to a gay pub. And I was like, okay, all right. Oh, <laughs> I know she didn't mean anything bad, but it was just the way. I love it when stuff like that happens just watching the panic on people's faces when they're like oh gosh you can't get away with this anymore that's that's why i've got my cut i'm not normal and then right across the bottom it says gay oh Um, because i was sat next to her while i was doing it um i do love when they you they say something like that and it's just they are trying to get themselves out of the hole they're just saying it's bigger for themselves it's just even worse (laughs) even worse and then i could hear her going oh we've just bought a house in like somewhere in spain or something she's like philip you can come over if you want you know you can you could come (laughs) over one day (laughs) only just met him but she's obviously just trying to make up for it gosh if you're so if you're um bullied by society for being a minority you get free things yeah i might try it (laughs) what's your minority i don't know (laughs) 
I'll come up with one. <laughs> Being a woman. Yeah, oh, fair. Minute. Why are you rolling your eyes, Harry? Harry, Harry. Harry, come on, dig yourself out of this hole. Uh, just you women. We just I'm joking. I'm all of our joking. listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's true, actually. No, I'm joking. But, um, Where's my invite to, house, to your house in Spain for that comment? <laughs> yeah, I haven't got one yet. We've got to make our business a success. Yeah. Please but, um, let people know about our business when it opens. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. But um, <laughs> we'll let you know when it opens. I was saying to Marley, though. Just plugging it. I was saying to Marley, though, like earlier before you came, that actually I go to Jersey next week. When we come back, that was the plan for us to start kind of looking at properties and things like that. So actually, it's happening. As much as we're talking about Shanice is going to be here, we're yeah. actually going to be starting to, to look. Then? Yeah, because yeah. <gasps> she qualifies in just under three months. I know, but Soon, I, I still it? have to get my 100 hours, will that matter? Yeah, 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 yeah. you will have to wait. Well, I won't Are we going to have a celebration, by the way? Huh? Are we going to have a celebration? Yeah, like yeah of course we are. Let's speak to Luke. I'm leaving that to him, so if people could Luke gently encourage him. Until, like, the day before or the morning Yeah, we'll all get a text. Yeah, like my birthday a few years ago. Was it your birthday last year? Oh, was it? There we go. There we go. I love the effort. Wow. But, um, yeah, so now we're going to move on to the main topic, which, as Marley said, is... Let's get technical. Technical. It's not even that. It's drama. (laughs) It is drama. It's drama drama triangle. Drama triangle. All right? All right. Right, moving on. Thanks. Okay, so now I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Lee Harris. Uh Uh-oh. Um, who is going to explain what the drama triangle is? Um, yeah, we I actually like, don't know what this is. By I way. was going to say, Rhea doesn't know what this is, so it's going to be quite interesting. But we 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 were talking about this not so long ago, weren't we? And mm. thought maybe this is what we kind of talk about um, on a podcast and see if we can get an episode out of it. Because <laughs> we'll I think it's just so. I think a lot of people will will be able to relate to it. Like once you hear what it is, yeah. I think you'll be able to see. Like examples of the drama triangle in your own life, in your relationships. Yeah, so basically it talks about the idea that there's kind of like three roles that people play um, in this kind of drama triangle and it's about knowing when you're being sucked into somebody's drama or whether you're kind of creating that drama. <laughs> Me? And Am I the drama? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Um, but yeah, it talks about like kind of describing the dysfunctional relationships that can come about because of it. Um, and not necessarily like permanently dysfunctional for that moment or whatever, but there's three roles. One is the persecutor, one is the victim, and one is the rescuer. I'm a rescuer. Um, I'm and... Me. But all held kind of in this place of guilt, blame, shame, all this sort of stuff. Um, it's often quite negative. And I'm just reading as well. Like there was a bit that I was reading from an article and it talks about self-defeating or self-serving roles. You know, that's how you can kind of identify that you're in one of these states. I will explain these st- these states, I promise. Um, <laughs> but when you're in them, it doesn't actually help you and it doesn't help anybody else around you. Um, so the idea is to kind of move away from that as much as you can. Um, but the kind of person, let me explain them and then we we can talk about them. So like you've got the persecutor. So in this role, it's often about people who have power, but discount how much power they've got. And therefore it's often quite negative and destructive, right? So that's the persecutor. Um, then we've got the victim. So somebody who's overwhelmed and vulnerable, um, and often then doesn't take responsibility, um, for themselves or the situation. So that's the victim. And then we've got the rescuer, so somebody who jumps in, wants to make the situation better. Even if it's unasked for, they, they want to make the situation better. So 
I'm a rescuer. I'm I'm quite you know I I, I notice I think when people are struggling or whatever, and I think oh I can go in and help them, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's not what's needed. Um, you know, sometimes they just need to do it themselves or whatever, but I just want to make sure, make make everything okay. So if I'm jumping in, even though my intentions are nice, if I'm jumping in and kind of taking over, trying to make the situation better, it actually doesn't give that person room to understand what's going on, room to kind of learn new techniques, maybe, or whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more later about how you can, not, you, you can still do that, but in a more healthy way. Um, but... Yeah, so I recognise I'm a rescuer. Are you a rescuer? I definitely say I'm a rescuer, but I know I've played all three roles. And that's the thing with this triangle. It's actually, we all play probably all three at different points, but what? But we probably fit more comfortably in one than the other. Yeah, I definitely rescuer. But I think as well, because we are counsellors, we are naturally going to fall into that role anyway, otherwise we wouldn't be in the vocation that we're going into, Yeah, wanting to help people. But I think I... Definitely rescuer, then next one down would be victim, and then persecutor. So there's the, um, I'm just reading now, there's some like examples of what these people might be like. So the persecutor, in this mode, the person doesn't value or, other pe- or, or see other people's views, blah, blah, blah. So they might be angry openly, openly and passively. They might be a bit more judgy or a bit more aggressive, bullying, demanding, spiteful, scornful. That's kind of what the persecutor can be like. And obviously, again, there's varying degrees of this. It doesn't mean that they are like this big, massive bully. It might just be, I don't know, I can just, I'm just thinking about like shameful comments or things like that. You know, I was even thinking, um, actually, I'll put this in and whether we take it out or not. You were just saying about your nan and yeah. looking at the photo yesterday. Yeah. You know, even like things like that. I just think sometimes like that can be a little bit shameful and it can probably push you to this place of, you know, feeling quite overwhelmed or a bit um, mm. vulnerable, um, and then puts you in a state of mm. kind of uh, victim, I don't know. yeah, victim, yeah, mm. and and so like she doesn't mean to do it; it's just no. the way in which she is. But actually, she probably just steps into that role for a moment, comes back out, <coughs> yeah. you know, and 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 but being aware that that can make us go into that kind mm. of victim place, and that's I was going to talk about that in a bit. That actually, do we know of situations in our lives that naturally probably it doesn't take much to push us into victim role. Um, we all have them where we become a bit more avoidant or overwhelmed mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so that's the persecutor. The rescuer, somebody who appears self-sacrificing, um, overly helpful and facilitative, um, likes to be needed, literally all three of uh, me straight away, prone to meddling unnecessarily, that's also me probably, um, you know, and talks about being engulfing. Um, so that person is probably like the rescuer and then the victim. Um, in this mode, the person doesn't value self and defers to others. So manipulative, poor me syndrome, helpless, a bit needy, complaining, whingy, fretful, downtrodden, blames others. So those types of things. So when we recognize that, you know, I'm sure as we, if we thought about it, we can think of probably people that fit into those kind of roles around us, you know, whether that's at work or whether that's you know, in our families, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, we can, yeah. My, my dad's the 
bloody poster boy for the persecutor. Yeah. <laughs> Disguised as a victim. Yeah. And, but always, I, I find that bit quite interesting as well. Like, we might, might as well talk about that now. But I, I talk about with clients sometimes that if we've got a persecutor that's quite powerful in our lives, often they do portray themselves as the victim. So actually what they're doing is, although they're sat in one role, they're portraying the other one, which leaves you one role to be in, that's it. Mm. You, you have to make the situation, you have to rescue the situation. You have to make it better. So, you know, you've only got one role that you can take in that one. But by understanding that, it's up to, you know, if they want to sit in the drama triangle in their own shit, then let them. But by understanding our role within that, we can't control what they do. Mm. By understanding our role and trying to control our bit, then you're not getting sucked into that drama as much as you should be, yeah. uh, as much as they want you to be, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, I was, Ria, I wanted to talk to you a little bit as well about kind of in the workplace, because you're a manager now as well. You've got your own team mm-hmm. and like, and plus obviously you've been managed. So can you don't have to obviously give examples. You're not necessarily talking about the place that you're in now, but like, have you ever had managers or necessarily seen managers that probably use their power, and it can be a bit more manipulative and destructive and things like that? Yeah, there's definitely ways of management, I think, and probably more senior to me. But you can get some managers that are definitely leaders rather than managers. And I think the ones that are leaders are the ones that are more not so much persecutor. Um, quality have or possess persecuted qualities so they're more that if you if you want them will guide you mentor you lead you yeah um and then you do get managers that are micromanagers tell you to do these things manipulate you into doing these things um a lot more possessing probably of the persecuted qualities yeah and i don't even think that's from um a place of that's how they are and that's what they want to be. That's just the way they think being a manager is to be. Yeah. And I suppose what pressure they've got above them to get things done. But the most you get out of someone, I think, is from a leadership perspective where you are guiding and mentoring and giving trust into that person and empowerment into the person to then develop and grow. Yeah. But I do think there's definitely a a place for some of the persecutor roles within a manager, but it's that balance. Yeah. 100% the balance. Like manipulation, we were chatting a little bit before manipulation you'd think christ i don't want to be manipulated that's an awful thing to do but sometimes for people that are need a little bit of love a little bit of guidance a little bit of pushing because you know that they can do better you have to be a little bit manipulative to get them to think more think better about themselves i suppose or some things you'd like say i know that you're really great at doing this do you think you could pull something together for me and when you look back you think christ how obvious is that that that's manipulating but you've given that someone a little bit more of a okay yeah but you know they respond better to when you might like stroke their ego a little bit or whatever see i don't i don't know if that's because i don't have a i associate the word manipulating with a negative but i just think that's highlighting someone's strength and then giving them something that meets that because People like to be recognised for what they're yeah. good at. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, like, I think you're really good at this. A know? lot of people, though, think that they're not. So there might be something I think someone's really great at and they've got potential in and strengths in and they are really devalue themselves and don't think they're good at anything. With just a little bit of a manipulation gets them to then do that piece of work or present that at a higher level and then it, it gives them the confidence and that mm. actually I am quite good at, good at it. Um, so, yeah, manipulation, I suppose... And you might not even call it manipulation. I suppose... I do call it manipulation because I I, I think manipulating something is... uh, Like you were talking about earlier about kind of controlling... So this is 
pre-recorded. <laughs> but um, you were talking about, like you would say that that's control. Mm. I do think manipulation and control obviously kind of go hand in hand a little bit. But I think if you can manipulate a conversation or um, a direction in such a way that actually, but it's for a healthy reason, yeah. then, you know, you are gaining more control. And that's the whole point. That's what we want. I suppose, yeah, because in that situation, I would know what the best outcome it is. Mm. I know the way to get to that best situation and how that person will react. Yeah. But like you said, it's for a healthy reason. But the same, like, you know, as in, I, I talk to clients as well about, you know, having people in our relationship, uh, you know, at home or in, within our families that have quite a lot of power, sometimes by even just, I call it padding. So you have to throw in the odd sentence that kind of pads the bit before you actually mm. think it's going to penetrate or, you know, cause, potentially cause some damage. And so, like, I, I will often kind of go, like, I know you're going to get offended by this or I know that this is going to upset you or whatever. And then, or I know you're going to get mad at this because then if, and but then I go into it. Because no, normally what will happen is if it's somebody who's a bit of a persecutor, by you telling them that you know they're going to get mad at it, they'll really want to not try and prove you right. Mm. So actually by kind of manipulating that a little bit beforehand for a healthy reason, because the whole point is you want the conversation to go well. You want to be heard and you want them to then have the space where they can say what they need to say back, you know, appropriately. Mm. Um, so it is for a healthy reason, but you just might need to, whereas with other people, uh, to manipulate that a little bit, whereas with other people, I wouldn't need to do that. So I don't know, I do, yeah, maybe... Like it's a bit said. of protecting yourself in there as well. Like yeah. You know where you're a little bit of victim behaviour because you know if you don't, it's going to be <laughs> come at you with a, a load of aggression potentially yeah. or a load of negativity, whereas you're kind of preempting it. Like, this, I know this is what you're going to say, however, X, Y, Z. So you're giving yourself a little bit of protection. I think that's why I said, oh, it's some, like for me, that's more control because I, if I'm going to tell somebody something, maybe that's difficult or whatever, um, my biggest fear is that they're not going to receive it well mm. and I'm not going to be able to say what I need to say so I guess for me that it, it's essentially manipulation not conscious I guess but yeah. I want to have some control over what they're going to say so that I'm not negatively mm. impacted yeah I so you. I want control over I guess the ability to say something in a way that's going to make me come across that I make sense basically because yeah. the second I if the situation feels out of control, I can't think of what I'm saying. So I guess then I'm going straight into victim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's quite because you could look into. Excuse me, we're trying to record. Sorry, I've just been ill. <laughs> um, but we could. That could be a thing that we talk about. About you know earlier I said what what situations make you go into victim quite quickly. So for you, a lot. What matters if you don't oh. come across clear and concise or. Why Why does it make you kind of go really vulnerable and, and overwhelmed quite quickly? I think because I realised this very recently, um, and it may be obvious to you guys, but I have a real thing around shame. I do not mm. want to be shamed in any way, shape yeah. or form because, for me, that feels like the worst thing that could happen. Like, I feel like I would not recover from that. Yeah. And because I grew up in such a shaming environment, especially when it comes to explaining myself, you know, my dad was very much like mumbling, start again. You haven't said that right. Start the whole story again. So for me, when I, if I can't say something clear and someone doesn't understand me, I just start internally panicking. Yeah. Yeah. But really, what they're, I've already started panicking before I've said what I need to say. Yeah. So I'm already putting myself in victim before I even give them a chance to be able to understand me properly. Yeah. 
So I think I think that's always kind of interesting because I'm not really giving them the chance to receive me in a way I need. But also, just on the flip of that, what you want to do is get to a place where, like, whether you like it or not, you're probably always going to have feelings before you explain how you feel. Mm. Like, so you might not be in the ideal place. Will be, I suppose, that you don't have any feelings. Yeah. <laughs> a good place will be that Savage. actually. What you end up doing is you just feel, you recognise that, okay, this makes me anxious. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily push you into victim mode, so that you're completely overwhelmed and, you know, vulnerable, I can't, I don't know what to do. Um, and there's this internal panic, but actually you just recognise that I do get anxious about this sort of stuff. Mm. So actually it's going to create some sort of feeling. What you want is that. Yeah. Um, because uh, but... I think that's a good step forward. Yeah. So recognising oh, I'm feeling this way. But it's not debilitating me. I'm still choosing to hmm. persevere, still push through. That yeah. doesn't mean that you've allowed yourself to get sucked into the drama triangle. Yeah, it just means I think, that there's feelings. And I think you're right there. I think that's what allows me to step outside of the drama triangle. So with people I'm comfortable with, so like prime example then, when I had my interview for my placement last year, it was really helpful for me to kind of acknowledge out loud to them, I'm really nervous. Mm-hmm. And that kind of almost immediately allowed me the space to just be who I was because I've already said it out loud. So I think like, especially, I suppose like with Luke, obviously I'm very comfortable with him. If I'm about to say something and I'm like, oh, I'm nervous to say this or give me a minute because I might struggle to put together what I'm going to say, that in turn helps me. And I think by saying that, that takes me out of that because I'm highlighting it preempting it yeah and I suppose maybe that that is getting control over it but it allows me to stay I guess out of victim in a way well it's like you so you might be saying it before we started recording actually you were like given the photos on the whatsapp group you were preempt you're doing that before we can as your sort of defense as a well they're not going to be able to get to me because I've already protected myself and actually put this out here first literally I went around Ria's house the other day and we literally went in we arrived at the same time went into the kitchen before we'd even got there she was telling me that she looks fat in those christening photos (laughs) so that she was basically trying to give that was going to be my opinion and yeah Yeah. I thought she looked lovely but Mm. um fatty according to my name yeah I think it is that like (laughs) I suppose you do you self-shame before anyone else can and sometimes you don't need to like with you guys or with like Daniel people like that I really don't care what you guys would say because it's from a banter place or a, we were all very very comfortable with each other mm. but even then there's still an element of you want to protect yourself so no one else says it first yeah. and you feel hurt yeah which is silly really because why would you feel hurt if you guys said to me bantery christ you look massive i wouldn't be hurt but you still feel the need to say it before anyone else does so you're like well i've already said it actually so but i wonder I if you, i was just gonna say i wonder if you didn't say that first how you would feel when someone said oh you look massive. yeah exactly if you'd feel worse then but because you've already highlighted it you've put yourself in a protective state yeah where well you can't say anything because i've already said exactly. it. oh i wonder how you feel if actually we said that you look massive but it wasn't banter i know how would you like if it came from us like thank you guys. But the, th- the, the, the one of the biggest things I've learned, I think, in the last year in particular, is that I actually don't mind comments like that if it if I feel like it's not coming from a shameful place. Yeah, and there's ways of and saying it as that's well. What I mean, like, like if I like I said to you earlier, like you you are big, whether you like it or not, you are big. Yeah. And I don't mean holistically. I just mean <laughs> I'm pointing towards a belly bump. I think you've got a really good. <laughs> you haven't you? You've got a lovely baby bump. I think. Yeah, you, do. you don't. Yeah, obviously it feels <laughs> exhausting for you and horrible, but. Um, 
I even if I meant you look massive, I wouldn't for one second think that's a shameful thing because one, it's not shameful, but two, you're pregnant. Yeah. That does have an effect on your body. I'm not. I'm so re- rationally, if you'd say to me, "Ria, you're big." I wouldn't take that as a negative place because I'd want people to be honest with me. If, say, I wasn't pregnant, say I had put a load of weight on, I would want someone to be like, Ria, come on. Like, should we go for a walk? Should we do this? It's, again, like we spoke before, the ways of saying it, and you do want yeah. your friends around you to be able to say that to yeah. you. But it's funny how rationally I know that. But if the moment someone did say to you, Ria, you're putting a bit of weight on, it's instantly like a dagger yeah. to your heart when it's happening in the moment. But that's where, like, this whole drama thing, just to bring that back, actually. Oh, But actually, that's where, that's, that's kind of a perfect example of how people can make you feel. Like, if you know it doesn't come from a shameful place and, and you trust that, then actually you won't get sucked into victim. But if you know that it comes from a bit of a kind of, oh, my God, you've got fat mm. kind of place, of course you're going to then, at some point, that's going to pierce you. And so you're more likely to go into victim and then you might mm. feel shit about yourself for the rest of the day or you might feel really glum or, you know, you might look in the mirror and start being even more harsh on yourself, you know, because actually somebody's had the power to kind of just put you into that yeah. place. Yes, they've tapped into something that might be already there. Mm. But actually, I don't know, there's something about that not shaming, not blaming element of it that doesn't allow us to get sucked into that mm. victim place. Um, I think as well, like, it's important to remember that Victim and persecutor going hand in hand, which I think you've already said, but because I think sometimes for me, if I do find myself in a victim, I want to gain control back. So, yeah. like, if classic example is me and Luke and maths, because I do not understand maths, and nine times out of ten, it ends up in a big argument because I don't understand something, so I immediately go into victim. And then in order to not seem like a thicko, I start getting really shirty with him then. And like, well, like voices will start to get raised because I want to gain control back of that situation. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of things like when it comes to like anxiety and stuff like that, or like um, really any kind of like mental health thing, I think sometimes anger can be used as a tool to make you feel in control of what's going on. And I know like things that really bother me I care about what people think and like I hate being late is another example which Luke's probably not the best example to use in this scenario (laughs) however but I do put like my stuff on him and that essentially Luke doesn't fall into victim (laughs) at all and I am persecutor but those sorts of things do put you in that role whether you want to be or not Mm. because you are essentially stuck in your own drama in that moment aren't you yeah very interesting, actually. I, I honestly, I find it fascinating. It came up quite early on in my therapy with work, with regards to work, because I was in a situation where a manager just shouted at me in front of everybody, and I literally, I just could not believe it. I was yeah. mortified, and I just walked away, and I kind of held it together, and then when I got back in the office, I just burst into tears. And, like, that was something that really bothered me, and I remember taking it to therapy, and that's when Colette kind of highlighted the drama triangle, and... You know, and then it made so much sense with regards to my family and mm. the way we all operate with one another. Um, and the one thing I found quite interesting was that although essentially like the rescuer role is a good role to play in theory because you only want to help people, but what you do when you're in the rescuer role is you don't allow other people to help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So in, yeah. in a way, you again kind of become a persecutor because you're not allowing that person the opportunity or the room to make decisions for themselves. So they've only got one place to get stuck and that's the victim. Yeah. So they still carry on being overwhelmed. and Yeah. It's a cycle. 
it is a cycle and you want to not obviously not be in the drama but triangle then how at do you all not, like it's difficult if you're I wouldn't say I'm in the rescuer all the time, but there's definitely sometimes where I would be. And how do you then, if your friend is someone that's constantly needing your help or your support or help guidance, I suppose, it's at what point do you think you need to help themselves now? You're always going to, they're always going to be in the victim mode and you're always going to default to rescuer. Yeah, but that's, but, but you're not because understanding your role within that is the best thing for you and and you never know it might just be the space that they need to then actually have to climb mm. out themselves and so like the i've got um, a couple of pictures that i give to clients and it talks about the it just briefly explains the three roles of the drama triangle but there's also the opposite which is called the empowerment triangle mm-hmm. kind of going back you you used that word when you were talking yeah. about leadership and you know the opposite of the victim is the creator so somebody that accepts that they're vulnerable but realizes where their power is too and so in doing that actually what they realize is they've got options they start to problem solve and that's when they start to kind of you know find the tools within mm-hmm. themselves to get themselves out of these situations but you've also got the opposite to the rescuer as the coach so somebody who is caring mm-hmm. and just like right how can i help you what is it that you need you know and so but by doing that what you're doing then is you're giving them the, what is them. it that needs to happen now you're not going this is what needs to happen mm-hmm. now um, it's very much like leadership, actually. Yeah, yeah, massively. And that's why this is quite good in businesses. This mm. uh, The drama triangle often gets used in businesses mm. because the opposite to the persecutor is somebody who's the challenger. So, you know, by being assertive, by kind of going, no, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want from you, please. You know, you're not doing, you're not necessarily, obviously there's demanding yeah. and assertive. Again, there's probably a fine mm. line between the two. But by doing it in an assertive way, what you're doing is you're constructive ways of getting your needs met without punishing. Yeah. And in doing that, what you're doing is, it says on here, cause for growth in others. It mm-hmm. instills assertiveness within them too. And so, you know, it's, it's about recognizing, okay, I'm sucked into this drama. The only bit we can control is us. So going, right, okay, I need to take a step back. What is it that I need to do? So when you are a victim, and I, like, again, I, I talk a lot about options, but when we know that as human beings, when we know we've got options, we're, we're often quite good in those situations. Yes, sometimes it feels quite overwhelming, but again, by recognizing that I'm vulnerable with that, like this feels a lot, but then knowing what my options are, you're more likely to move forward. Whereas if you feel trapped and stuck, and this is my only way forwards, you're more likely to want to stay stuck, um, you know, and that's, as I think one of you sent a, a quote about stuckness, about yes, actually I how did, the yeah. worst thing in the world is actually stuckness. Is that me? Yeah, I think it was you. Yeah, um, yeah Jackie. You know, so again, yeah, like you were talking about with leadership, the difference between leadership and managers, mm. I quite like that actually, but you know, that is the whole caring. And here is the, not the rescue, it's the coach. So it's, um, you know, how can I push you forward? So I don't know if you stuff? can um, get it up quickly or whatever. Excuse but me. I... <laughs> wow. Don't be disgusting, Marley, um, I was thinking about um, the, is it the line of blame or the line of choice or something like that, where the... you want to be in, you don't want to blame people. So is it the line of choice? Do you mean the line of empowerment? Maybe. And disempowerment. Yeah, is that it? I don't Marley, know. you personed you. Why have we not got this down? Well, we didn't learn this on my course, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> this is something that, Colette always talks to me about. Yeah, but it's yeah, I understand what you're saying. I what's it called? What do you think it's called? I don't know. The, the line of blame. Yeah, the line of blame. Maybe. Yeah, but it leads to either feeling empowered or feeling to not being uh, by feeling disempowered. That one, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So actually, yeah, by being what above the line, mm. you're kind of taking ownership, accountability, responsibility. Yeah. And by being below the line, you're kind of 
blaming other people, finding excuses and denial. Yeah. Um, and you're more likely to fall into victim. Yeah. With that. And persecutor, I think. Yeah. Because I think. That's where what, the blame what comes in. What do you in, think then? Like, the form yeah. of attack comes out. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I think if you are in a situation with someone where they've done something wrong, they automatically go on the defense. So it's like, so it's, or have you ever had a friend who they've got a lot of stuff going on that's going wrong and they just start blaming other people mm. and don't take any accountability for the roles that they've played or responsibility. And I think we just find it, I don't know, like for myself, then I'll speak for myself, but I think sometimes it can be quite scary to kind of take responsibility and own the things that you aren't yeah, doing to help yeah, yourself. So. And But actually, once you do that, it almost takes that power away and you can just be like, okay, yeah, I have done that. What can I move forward to change now yeah. so that I'm then not playing these roles? I am on my notes. I've had it quite a few times this week um, where I just end up circling the own it. Yeah. Like for most things, the first, the next step forwards is it starts with owning it. Right. Mm. This is the situation. This is how I'm feeling about it owning that and kind of going, right, okay, this is how I'm going to move forward or this is what I'm going to try next. It might not be the, the actual way forwards, but you'll learn something by going in the wrong direction. And then it's about, but you still own that and then kind of go, right, okay, where do I need to go? Who do I need to turn to next? You know, you, or... You stop yourself also from going around in circles the moment you own it. Because the moment you own it, if you're in a debate with a friend or something's going wrong with a friend, the moment you say, yeah, hands up, I'm wrong. This is, I didn't handle this right. X, Y, Z, there's nothing then, there's a comeback, there's no argument to be had then, you've owned your shit at that yeah. point. So the only way forward then is either a, that's it, that's end of, or a, okay, well, how are we going to work this out to move yeah. forward? Yeah. So yeah, owning it, even though it's one of the hardest things to do, mm. it's that turning point, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard to do that. Yeah, of course. You're kind of, that's the point, you are being vulnerable and being like, yeah, I did, I messed up. Mm. But that's where, like, we've been brought up in a society, but, and also, like, family environments and things, and school, like, there's something... I, I don't know it's it's the way in which it's made us feel when we get something wrong mm. so actually yeah. by owning it by going okay I messed up there we're basically saying oh, I got it wrong mm. and we're taught from the beginning that actually to get stuff wrong is bad God. and like you you're like you were saying about with your dad actually you said that wrong so start again you know like this shaming element yeah. to it when we're in school you didn't pass so there's a shaming element to it you know and I just think like it's I don't know, that something really frustrates me about it, that actually, so now we're in an environment that when you're adults, actually, we really struggle with just owning the fact that, oh, fuck, I, I screwed up there. Yeah. You know, or I'm really sorry I upset you there. You know, we really struggle with that. The thing that I find hard is the people that own it and say I got it wrong is, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if you just say, oh, sorry, I, you're sorry I messed up, but do it repetedly, time yeah. and time again, that's yeah. when I lose respect yeah respect yeah because i'm like well actually we're not learning anything you're just yeah yeah because i think like for me i think the that's like one of the best things that people can do is just say yeah do you know what i got that wrong i often think like some of the friendships and relationships i've had in the past where i think do you know what if they had just said yeah i got that wrong i'm going to take responsibility for that and move forward like things would be different now yeah but we're just so scared of it but it's such like when I think back to my pal Brené Brown and like vulnerability <laughs> but like that place such you do have to be vulnerable to be able to say yeah I got it wrong but yeah. actually when you do the stuff that can come out of that is amazing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. thanks Brené cause for growth preach sister preach <laughs> but actually like just on that like do you think like one of those roles in particular rescuer excuse me <laughs> what's there they want enough. 
joking? Why did that happen? Oh, it's because it's not on mute. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, I forgot to put it on mute, the jingle. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah. You're done. You're um, done. <laughs> The thing I was trying to make was, um, do you recognise any of those roles that you do probably get sucked into quite easily? Like, you know, earlier we were talking about that situation where you can't be shamed, so yeah. actually you realise you're going to victim mode. Like, is there any of those, like, what sends you into, Rhea, what sends you into victim mode probably quite quickly where you become all of a sudden quite overwhelmed or you really don't take responsibility? I think if there's anything, avoidant. like, work-wise, if something goes wrong at work, I'm instantly, uh, like on the defence straight away as to why that's happened or why that's gone on, without even looking into the ins and outs of why that's happened. But I'd say also from a rescuer perspective, <laughs> I don't even know this about me, but I like to be in control. <laughs> so the moment I do let someone grow or let someone do something for themselves, I'm like, oh, that's not quite how I do it. I want to be the headlight behind them. <laughs> so that's probably where I go to more. And that probably need to be more coachy rather than do it this way, this way, this way. This yeah. is the way I would do it. So I'd probably fall probably more into there from a negative way um, than anything else, I would say. Does that mean you probably slide from that into a persecutor? Because actually... Or bullying them into doing it how I want them well, to do it. Like more demanding, yeah. Like, I was just thinking, <laughs> like, even me from a coaching point of view sometimes, you know, that... I think so, and I think that comes with pressures too. So... I don't know if there's deadlines on certain things and you've not got time to do it, so you delegate it down and you're like, do it like this, this and this. You don't give them then the time to be able to think, okay, well, this is a yeah, new challenge for me, it, let yeah. me do it. I'm I'm conscious of that's how I do it and try and get better at that, but I think that's probably where I probably fall into more, of, yeah, probably persecutor as well. We need to stop telling people what to do, really. Well, I don't know. Like, what I, what I don't want to do is then all of a sudden, just because you've kind of come up with some traits, because actually, like you said, a deadline, you might need to say, look, this is how it needs to be done. So you're just setting the guidelines. Yeah. And they need to, like, I'm, I'm wary that what we don't want to do is then turn everything into a persecutor. I'll be at work tomorrow. I'll be like, oh, yeah. can't we ask him to do that? <laughs> but I think then we'll you give him a year to do it. Think about why you're why you want it done like that do you know what I mean so if your reasoning for it needs to be done like that because the job needs to be done like this then that's yeah. different whereas you're if you're doing it because like oh you need to do it like that because that's what's going to make me feel good yeah then and sometimes you, there is a problem that. like because, completely yeah. honestly sometimes there is like I could get to the point where even the formatting of a report I'm like oh I don't want it like that let's change <laughs> that which I know is completely wrong but it's just how I am yeah which I'm learning to get better at and let people develop and grow as they're on their own. It'll but be interesting to see what happens with Shanice. Mm. Oh my God, imagine. And she gets to develop into her own little person. Imagine she's like, I want to wear a colour, mummy. I'm like, absolutely not. Grey and white. <laughs> or pastel pink. That's your options. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's going to be like, I'm going with my Uncle Lee's. And yeah. she comes back looking like a clown. <laughs> she comes back like a rainbow. I'm like, stay at the front door. We'll get you changed outside, shall we? <laughs> You're not coming and wearing <laughs> No, yeah. she comes around here. She's like, I fell off the stairs. Because there's no banister, <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in A&E. You and your, you and your track wins. <laughs> That's the story, because Rhea, I once had, like, really bad pains, and, like, I was quite ill. And I made him push a full trolley around the range, by the way, for about 20 minutes. Telling me that it was okay, I had trap wind. I was in surgery the next morning, having my appendix out. I was about to burst, it was twisted upside down. We had a full day out that day, I think we'd gone for lunch, went to the I range. Failed my, I failed my counselling that morning as well, oh. and then we went out, yeah, because I was so ill. It's trap then, wind. Um, but it was trap wind about me. Trap wind. But, um, yeah. So, what about, kind of, um, what kind of people do you think push you into persecutor role that actually where 
I don't know, you don't have much patience for them. You probably are a bit more demanding. You probably kind of get sucked into, not all the time, but you can, it's quite easily, can, you can easily get sucked into that kind of... Probably other persecutors, if you come up against somebody else who's in that role, who takes no accountability or is just quite a delegator out, you probably then, like for me anyway, because I know I'm stubborn, get my back up and probably act the like same way. Yeah. Like, probably get quite um, game-playing, because that sounds really over the top, but I could see myself turning into match their behaviour yeah. rather than succumbing to being a victim. I think I'd try and match them back, Yeah. which could be quite dangerous, actually. Yeah. But that's more times, I think, what I would do. That's quite a good point, actually. I don't talk about it much uh, very often. Like, do we ever have two people in the same role? I think... You know, yeah, but we probably do, because that's quite a good point. I can imagine quite a lot of people, you know, do that. Especially if you think of, like, messy divorces and things like that. People, like, yeah, people will probably go up against each other and really become bullies Mm. to each other, yeah. Like, did you never come up against that when you were with Daniel? What? Like, both playing persecutor. Towards the end, I did think about that earlier, actually. Yeah, that that kind of shame and blaming thing, Mm. we both kind of got sucked into that. And, um, so, yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, I I actually was thinking earlier... Um, I, I can see us kind of fleeting between, uh, flicking between the three roles quite often, actually. That Then there'd be moments probably where we became overwhelmed by it all and it all became a bit too much. And then we probably, like, the other one would rely on the other person to make the situation better. And then the other one, would, then we'd be using, like, oh, you did that wrong, I'm going to make sure that you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. So we probably was stuck in this drama triangle for quite a while playing all three roles at different points mm. um but yeah that funnily enough that was kind of how I looked at our relationship a lot last year um and that was probably one of the main reasons I chose to get out um the year before yeah but even then after obviously we stuck to living together for a while sometimes it did become quite toxic and I you know that and it's sad like luckily we we do get along really really well um, um but yeah as a rela- as a romantic relationship it did probably get to quite a Toxic bitter place, place, bitter place, yeah, yeah. Um, sadly. But, um, Although yeah. now, I think now you probably, probably because some things you've taken as, even you probably don't agree with now, maybe some of the things he's done or you don't, you haven't really come to an agreement on all of those things. You've kind of let bygones be bygones and actually well, you get on But well. also I, I had to realise my role within the within it all, you know, and, and whether I like it or not, Daniel is the way that Daniel is. And, <laughs> isn't he just? You know, isn't he just? And so... Like the like when I was saying earlier about the padding sentences, you know, sometimes I would often have to say to him, like, I know you're going to get mad at this because I knew that's what would happen, you know, and and then he wouldn't want to prove me. And I'd often I'd often have to say, look, you know, I told you you were going to get mad, <laughs> you know, or whatever, or um, you know, it just oh, I had a good situation in my head then. Um, oh yeah, so like um, often I would then, like if it did turn into an argument, I would have to then kind of be like, look, I don't want this to be an argument. That's not the point. If this is gonna, if this is what's gonna happen, I'm just gonna walk away. I remember when they actually started, um, like in arguments, he would drop the C-bomb at me. And obviously this was years ago when I was like deeply offended by the C-word. I and, still am, uh, I'd never use way. that in an argument though. That's only for banter. And there was only a bit, but that was because that was his normal, you mm. know? So actually I can't, like he wasn't doing it in a really blaming or shame, you know, shaming kind of way. Um, and uh, sorry, Marla's got her see you next Tuesday slippers on as we're talking about it. But I remember like Disgusting. getting to a point where I was like, because Daniel's thing would be like, it's just a word. 
And so I, I had to kind of take a step back and look at what my issue was. But actually, one of the things that I, I, I didn't know, really know what my issue was, the only thing I could decide was that it was an issue for me. Mm. Well, I so suppose, I though, he to, didn't respect your view on no. it either. And so I, I had to get to a point where the bit I couldn't control was him, so the, I had to control myself. So I genuinely got to a point where I was like, if you're not going to talk to me properly, this conversation doesn't happen. I think you still and had a valid point in that, though, where you've disclosed to him I don't like to be called that to me it's an offensive word please don't call me that and he's disrespected your boundary then yeah. Continued. Well, yeah so you've still got like a grounds to be no, I know. annoyed but and then, offended but the bit that. I couldn't control was that and so I did used to have to say look if, if you want to be heard if you want me to listen to what you're saying I'm happy to do that mm-hmm. but if you're going to do that it's not it's just not going to happen so yeah. I and I would get to a point where I was like I'm, I'm going yeah. yeah which would wind him up even more and and it was interesting then probably within not much time at all he'd adapted the way that he talked to me as well so that actually even though he would still get probably the same aggression frustration what he needed to say out it was just done where then I could hear him he would then hear me and it was just done in such a healthier way um you know just without I don't know this whole blame conflict yeah conflict so yeah do you know I think I don't I was just trying to think I don't know who I Flit into like persecutor with. I find it. I think I find it hard to. That person might not actually play be playing the persecutor role, but I might think that they're playing the persecutor role because I'm yeah. so hypersensitive to, you know, like Luke could be in the car and he could be annoyed at another driver, but instantly I fall into victim because those kind of situations just make me feel triggered. Mm. Um, well, yeah, you've mentioned before where you might have left like social situations and gone home and overthought everything that's been yeah. said when probably the other people have left not even back an eyelid <laughs> of what they've done or yeah. even yeah. thought of and so, you might put them into persecutor and actually... They might not be. Yeah, because yeah, I think like Luke's very assertive. And Is he? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so I think like for me that's um, uncomfortable territory for me because I'm not that assertive. Yeah. So sometimes, don't get me wrong, he probably does play the persecutor role, but I don't think there are times because he is very comfortable in what he's saying. Like my. It's not from a bad place. No, it's not from a bad that. place. But I, because I instantly take everything as criticism. What then happens is, is I think he's playing that role. So then I play that. I actually end up playing that role, and then well, I yeah. suck him into my drama, where he then feels the need to be like, no, yeah. no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Blah blah blah. Well, you so grew he, up with a lot of that. Yeah. Like your environment that you grew up in was a lot of assertiveness. Yeah. So you automatically probably do feel. Yeah, I'm very. Like, like more, hypersensitive. Yeah, very hypersensitive. I think the more I probably explore my past and stuff, the more I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, but I think, for me, like, two of my best ways of not being in that triangle is probably, one, I absolutely love, like, what Brené Brown spoke about. Sorry. Oh, she is again, your friend. When she spoke about how, like, she said to her husband, like, this is the story I'm telling myself. So yeah. in my head right now, this is what's going on for me. And I think for me that's really helpful because yeah. you can almost kind of disassociate away from what you are feeling because you're kind of telling it in third person. So I can kind of say, like, this is what I'm feeling. I'm just stepping away from it a bit, stepping outside of it, and I can offer it to that person and then they can be like, oh, my God, no, absolutely not. Or they're like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Or try and stick to the facts so you can be like, you know, like if you share a feeling with someone and you feel like, I'm feeling overwhelmed, blah, 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 and they're like, no, you're not, blah, blah, blah. I'll just be like, well, I am feeling that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And you're saying this is actually making that worse or whatever, just trying to take emotion out of it a bit. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but you need to be because often when we're overwhelmed, what's happening is right brain is kicking in probably too much. We're feeling too much. Yeah. So to be able to take that step out and you know bring left brain into it a little bit more, mm. what you're hoping then to get to is gain a bit more balance. So then what you need to do is uh, what you need to gain, whatever that need is. You're, you're more likely to get it because you're coming at it from a more balanced view. Mm. Um, I wonder yeah. at what point these behaviours start. Like, do you reckon kids in reception are like there's persecutors running around the place yeah. and victims? Yeah. Easily, I think kids even like you look at like a lot of people talk about the terrible twosome. Mm. You know the years when they're the toddlers. The little shit. They know. Yeah. They, yeah. They are like they're little manipulative, aggressive. You know, if I don't get Brilliant. what I want, this yeah. is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to make your life hell until you give me what I need mm. type thing, you know, demanding. They're, you shouldn't be saying they're learning their boundaries because <laughs> I won't buy her a donut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had oh, to make it. I've already, already bought them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy with them. She'd be like, do we have to have Tim Hortons again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, I know we've got to come to an end in a minute, but, like, I think the, one of the main things that I kind of want to make sure that we take from this is that the bit we cannot control is other people. Yeah. The bit that we need to do is start... control the controllables. Exactly. All right. It's a very good leader once told me that. Oh, was it? Um, but the main bit that we can control is us. Was it you? Yeah. And so... It wasn't me. By identifying your role and which role you've been pulled into or the role in which you, you naturally go into probably more than anything um, or, yeah, just ended up in, whether by yourself or by somebody else who's managed to drag you in, by recognising your role, only then can something good come of that because then you're more likely to take a bit more control and as we've said you know by assertiveness or op- mm-hmm. problem solving things like that that's the thing that's going to move you forwards mm. so um yeah i think what i have to we'll leave you on this bit is what i would like to become better at is probably like counting to five before i respond just taking that time or just removing yourself from the situation mm. and just saying like I am going to come back to this, but right now I'm not in the headspace to conduct this conversation in a way that's going to be constructive or helpful. So I would like to come back to this later. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, and I'd like to be better at that. But that's then the next bit. Once you understand what these things are, I was just reading this bit, it's sort of talked about your job is to be aware of the roles in which you play. And if you end up in the drama triangle, to find ways to shift yourself out of that and looking at the techniques that you can use to then make sure that you don't carry on getting sucked in. You know, again, I, you know, just as an example, I often talk to clients about, you know, people who get anxious and things like that, or around people that make them get anxious, go to the toilet, mm. get up. Even if you went 10 minutes ago, get up, go to the toilet, because what that does is it gets you out of that space for a moment and gives you a bit of a breather to kind of go, right, okay, what's going on? How can I go back into that situation? What do I need to do? Do and I find it harder to, for the people to go back in though? Sorry? If that, I don't suffer massively with anxiety at all, so I wouldn't know. But the moment I take myself out to then psych myself to go back into the situation become, would become bigger for but me. My, if you've got the techniques to be able to stay in that situation and somehow find a way to problem solve, great. But if you haven't, you're the next best... Yes, you still might get anxiety about going back into that situation, but it will be less harmful probably mm. than you staying in that situation and continue to be overwhelmed um, by the situation so it's sometimes you've got to pick between the lesser of the yeah. evils um, but by knowing that you've got these little tools in your pocket get out of the situation or even like if you if you trust somebody enough that they will hopefully try and hear you by saying things like this is getting too much for me right now let's come back to this in five minutes I literally said that to a client a couple of days ago 
Like, don't be afraid to say that to your partner yeah. because actually what your partner should do in that moment is kind of go, okay, mm -hmm. fine, let's give yeah. it five minutes. Because if they know you're going to come back to it, then they'll know that you're still trying to hear them. They, they'll know that you still want a good outcome from this. So they're more likely to agree to it. They might be annoyed by it. Don't mm. expect them to just to go, oh, yeah, lovely. <laughs> they still might be annoyed by that, but they're more likely to do it. And if that's what you need, that's what you need. Mm. And you probably end up having a better conversation then because that also kind of allows them the room to breathe and yeah. think about it. Um, and I think what I've just realised really is that you really don't have any control how over how people are going to respond to you no. or what they're going to be like. And, you know, like you said, Lee, you can only control yourself. Mm. And I think if you're as true to yourself as you can be in that moment, then really the rest is out of your hands. But the padding sentences are quite good with that because actually if you know you're going to potentially go up to somebody and it might cause them offence or it might cause them a bit of hurt or, you know, whatever, then by going up to them and going, look, this isn't coming from a bad place or this isn't coming... By saying that little sentence first and then saying what you need to, even if they did take offence then, you can say, look, I promise you this wasn't coming from a shaming place. I'm just, like, I'm giving, thinking at work. Mm -hmm. I'm just highlighting that actually this is maybe where it needs to be slightly different or I mean, this is an area where I think you could excel at, but maybe we need to push you a little bit more. So it's not coming from a, you're not doing a good enough job now. It's just coming from a highlighting place. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by, by saying that first... The person is more likely gonna they're more likely to hear what you've actually got to say mm. as opposed to the image i often get with this is the cat backed into a corner mm. if, the, if they think you're just coming at them with a sentence that the is damaging they're more good. likely to just go curl up and go into that kind of i need to defend myself or shut down mm. in whatever their fight flight freeze mode is um you know so yeah padding sentences i think are often quite good but anyway. Good chat, guys. Good oh, chat. I loved it. All right. So uh, hopefully that's been um, informative. Um, for more uh, details, just type in drama triangle <laughs> on Google. There's lots. There's actually lots out there about it. It's, it, is, it is really good. Um, but right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Moscow. Oh, that's a bit taboo now. We can't say that anymore. Oh. Russia. No, you can't say that anymore. But, um, I'll have to come up with another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's right, balance that, it out. Then. I've got some chicken Kievs in my. That's, that's, that's just as well. That's, Ukraine. that's not Ukraine, isn't it? No, no, but we're in support How of Ukraine. Say that? Oh, Kiev's just Kiev's now. No. Just Just Kiev. I just wanted to mention Kiev, that was all. <laughs> anyway. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, podcast yeah. peeps. Hello. Podcast peeps.